from the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hey there, and welcome to episode 10 of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. My name is Dean Millard. We will bring the director of scouting for TSN along to look at a number of prospects in just a few minutes. The stars of tomorrow are discovered here and here is who we're discussing today on top shelf talent it's jack quinn big sniper the next wave noah gundler an inconsistent forward and a shutdown defenseman in tyler clevin and in time machine brandon Wheat king ribley greg uh, will be compared uh, to a few talented players and uh, we'll speed ahead to 2021 and take a look at zachary bolduck our trivia question who is the highest drafted defenseman that has come out of the University of North Dakota. Uh, they're now the Fighting Hawks. So who is the highest drafted defenseman out of UND? Uh, just a hint, you're going to have to go back to when they were the Fighting Sioux. Uh, so that's the trivia question today. Our Twitter poll question, who is the best pure scorer in the 2020 draft? Your choices are Jack Quinn, Alexander Holtz, Carter Savoy, and Jacob Perot. And we'll give you some results of that little bit later on in the program and craig button of course joins us on the uffs hotline check it out at uffsports.com become a scout track the same players that craig does in this format you own the game so get in the game and we're not just talking about the guys for the 2020 nhl draft we are actually looking as far ahead as the 2023 draft now. Those are the, the players that we're scouting between 2020 and 2023. We're always working ahead in this platform. So, you know, I'm a team owner. Um, my wife has uh, high-level scouting uh, within my organization, and Craig is the head scout uh, for that organization. So we're scouring uh, the arenas, the empty arenas, uh, soon to be full with hockey players at least, uh, for those prize players. If you want to do the same thing, or if you want to get involved as a franchise, there's a few franchises that are available right now. Also, you could be that, or you can be on the scouting side, and um, it's a lot of fun. And also MMA on the way. Check it all out at www.uffsports.com. Okay, so the draft, uh, the dates have actually changed. Um, you know, Obviously, uh, it wasn't uh, uh, going to be happening while teams were still in the playoffs. So now uh, the official date is October 6th and 7th. It's a Tuesday and a Wednesday. So now we know the draft is being moved up. And then uh, free agency, I believe, will begin on the 9th. And that's when we'll get to know uh, all of these players that we've been talking about and many more. The Oilers have loaned defenseman Evan Bouchard uh, to SK or uh, 
I don't even know how to pronounce this, so I apologize. Uh, Solder Tausa, SK of uh, the Swedish Elite League for the beginning of 2021. And then we'll see what happens when the uh, AHL and NHL get going. And it's a good reminder that uh, Braden Point and uh, Mr. Kucherov went 79th and res- uh, 58th, respectively, in their drafts. And they are the top two scorers left in the NHL playoffs and will pass Nathan McKinnon for the top spot shortly. And maybe they already have by you, by the time you've listened to this. So it's a really good, you know, we'll, listen, and and th- there's a lot of other players that don't work out. But, but some of these guys, some of these guys were branded too small. And one of the best things I love about having Craig Button a part of this show is that he says he never scouts with a tape measure. All things being equal, yeah, sure, you're probably going to take the bigger guy, but never does he say, oh, this for a small guy or whatever it might be. So keep in mind um, that there are, as the intro for uh, the next wave of this show says, uh, you know, there are legendary players uh, taken later rounds and that doesn't mean teams are stupid for not taking them i mean the detroit red wings get a lot of credit for taking guys in later rounds and sure they should be given credit but if those guys were going to be hall of famers they would have taken them earlier so teams have swings and misses and sometimes uh another team's miss is your home run and uh just uh, quickly uh the brandon wheat kings were sold this week to uh the jacobson and griner group in brandon the um, they own a lot of things in Brandon, very uh, uh, well-rooted and a wealthy family in Brandon. And um, Kelly McCrimmon, longtime owner, uh, now current GM of the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, has sold the team, uh, owned them for almost 30 years. Uh, almost the entire uh, time I really knew fully about the Wheat Kings, Kelly McCrimmon was involved. Not, not as an owner all the time, but you know, as an assistant, he played there. In the late 70s, uh, so for him to not be affiliated with the Wheat Kings is very, very strange, but good for him. He did a lot of great things for that city where I grew up, and I'm sure the uh, J&G group are going to do a really good job as well taking the Wheat Kings because this is a, a very valuable, valuable uh, franchise, um, especially with the, the numbers whirling out there, and I'm not going to get into those because uh, I don't have any confirmation, so not going to get into that. So that's a little bit of the news and notes. Uh, let's get into things with Monsieur Craig Button. Here he is. The director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. He's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. All right, if you're new to the show, uh, this is how we do things. Uh, We discuss players that are uh, in the top-shelf talent that are on the top 40 of the Craigslist. Anybody else in the next wave outside of the top 40 and in Time Machine, we compare a player in this year's draft to somebody from the past and speed ahead to 2021. Here's Quinn. In on the low, Jack Quinn scores! Top shelf talent today is Jack Quinn. 
These are the player vitals. He's a right winger uh, with Ottawa from Cobden, Ontario. He's 5'11", 176 pounds, 62 games, had 52 goals, 37 assists as well for 89 points. He's ranked sixth on the Craig's list. Swooping in, Noel Gundler all alone beating Marcus Keller in goal for Augsburg. Noel Gundler's a right winger with Lulia. He's from Lulia, Sweden. He's 6'2", 174 pounds, 45 games, four goals, nine assists for 13 points. He is ranked 45th on the Craigslist. Deep right wing in the USA zone being watched by Clevin. They collide at the end wall. Clevin, the bigger man, took the puck away. Clevin up the right side. Clevin, knockdown Passion, not much question there. Clevin will hit you. Clevin saying hello to Alexander Passion. Tyler Clevin is a defenseman with the U.S. National Development Team. He's going to University of North Dakota. He's from Fargo, North Dakota. He's 6'4", just over 200 pounds. In 45 games, he had two goals, 10 assists, 12 points. He is ranked 60th on the Craig's list. Whitting back up top for Greg. He'll hold the line all the way around top of the circles. Greg, back door, they score! Oh, what a play that was! And your hint in time machine, he's a current Wheat King for 2020 and a current Ramuski Oceanic for 2021. Market picks his pocket. In on Fane, the shot he Let's check out some top shelf talent. Off the bar and in over the glove hand. Another rifle shot up to the upper right hand corner. That's a beautiful goal right there. Holy smokes. Top shelf. As we explore first round potential. From the Halifax Mooseheads, Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon through traffic. McKinnon goes down on the shot. Craig, we're starting with top shelf talent as per usual, and we're going with Jack Quinn, a right winger from Ottawa, ranked sixth on the Craig's list. And you have him a bit higher than some other lists I've seen. What makes you so high on him? I think I might know the answer, but give it to me anyway. Well, you know, I, I, I think he's the best goal scorer in this draft. And, you know, second to that, Dean, is also as you watch a player over a period of time, you know, continuously, you know, develop in, in, in certainly uh, what I would call critical areas, but also as you see this expansion of his game. And and with that expansion of his game, there becomes this greater confidence. And and it's a, a, a you hear me say this about the vicious circle. And now he, he realizes that like, okay, I'm a good athlete, but there's some things I got to work on. There's some things I have to allow with respect to maturity uh, to, to, to occur. But but now you start to see all those things intersecting. And so now when you watch Jack and you're watching him play the game and you're seeing him, you know, not only score goals, but how he scores goals. And, and you know, there's been, and Dean, you know this from, from many, many years of watching really good players. You know, you, you score at, at the levels below the NHL and junior hockey and you can score. 
But to do it at the National League level, there's certain elements that you need to be able to do. Obviously, you have to have quick hands. You have to have a good release. But you have to be able to understand that the checking is going to be tighter, that your space is going to be uh, a lot smaller. You're not going to have as much time for a windup. And, and then you have to understand where those openings are. And so when I watch Jack Quinn, and I call him the best goal scorer in the draft, it's not just what he's done in, in junior hockey. It's what I feel he'll do in the National Hockey League because he has all those elements and he has those uh, areas of his game where he not only knows where the right spot is, but he gets there at the right time. He, he doesn't need uh, a big windup to get a shot off. He can get it off with traffic in, in front of him and he can get it through the, the smallest of spaces. And he's not a one-trick pony. He's not, he's not a goal scorer that comes down the wing and blasts it past you. Or, you know, he can only score off the rebounds. He, he can score in so many different ways. And when you watch him again, he didn't play with Marco Rossi five-on-five. Five. You know, he did at times, but he played with him on the power play. So it wasn't as if he was a player that was benefiting from Marco Rossi or Marco Rossi benefited from Jack Quinn. Yes, they did at different points in, in time when they were together, but this is a player that kills penalties. He plays in, 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 in games that are heavy and hard. He plays in a skilled game. He plays in a fast game. And to me, when, when you watch that type of a player, it just screams National Hockey League. And, he, and he's also a really good goal. He's also a really good playmaker, which – also helps him be a better goal scorer because now defenders can't play him in the same way. You can't just play him to do one thing because he can do multiple things. Yeah, no doubt. And he's always been a goal scorer, uh, as you mentioned. And, you know, even at 16, he had 12 goals in the OHL, which is a good accomplishment, but then explodes with 52 in 62 games this year. You mentioned uh, kind of that confidence and that cycle of once a player realizes he can do it, his, his play improves. You know, that obviously was a big reason. But but what else did you see really improve in his game where he was able to go from 12 to 52 goals? Well, I, I, I think that he always he always had the skills. He always had skills in his game. But it, it, it's a completely different thing to be able to, to take your game and, 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 and physically be able to handle the challenges. So w when you talk about leaning in on somebody and you, you know, you, you might be doing the right thing, but you, but you don't have quite the strength in your lower body or in your leverage or, you know, in, in your upper body to hold off defenders. So despite the fact you're going to the right areas, you're just not quite physically strong enough at that point in time. And so when, when you talk about him going from 12 goals to 52, it, it wasn't that he didn't have the athletic ability. He didn't have the physical maturity. Hmm. This was a player that, that wasn't, you know, ahead of his uh, uh, maturation uh, stage. Like he, he was, he was, you know, probably just in the normal range of where you get stronger and a year passes and you're able to do more physically. So that's why when I talk about a player that has to get to the right areas and has to challenge in the right ways, you might not be able to do it at a certain stage because you might not have the strength. But once you do get that strength, you're going to be able to assert yourself a little bit better and you're going to be able to take advantage a little bit better. And, and that's where I talk about that vicious circle. Well, now you, you've been trying to do this. 
And you might not have been able to do it as successfully as you wanted to, but you were doing all the right things. And now as you become stronger and more physically mature, now you're able to do it. Now there's more confidence. And, you know, Martez St. Louis, the Hall of Famer, you know, just a great player. You know, he talks about, you know, without the struggle, you can never get better. Hmm. But what are you struggling with? Are you struggling with, you know, like, like if you're not a good skater and you're struggling, it, it, like, yeah, you can work on it. But if, if you don't have those elements, you're never going to be able to get up to, to speed. But the struggle is about as you move up levels and you're going, okay, those players are stronger. I've never had to play against players that strong. How do I handle it? And it, again, it goes back to my commentary that the vast majority of mistakes in the NHL draft are on size. You overestimate the bigger player and you underestimate the smaller player. And it's not just height, it's strength. Oh, look at that guy who got pushed off the puck. Yeah, that's okay. He got pushed off the puck, but at least he was in the fight to be pushed off of it. I see bigger guys that are never even close to the fight. And they and, and so because they're stronger, they can hold somebody off. Well, in the National Hockey League, you don't get that benefit. And that's why some of those bigger players fail and don't have success, even though they had success at the lower levels. So when I watched Jack, it, it, it was it was all the things that you want to see in a town. And that's why you, you watch and you watch and you watch. And it's not about, well, you know, I didn't see him do anything. What were you looking for? Were you looking for the score sheet to see if he scored two goals? Or were you looking for the things that could determine, hey, listen, with a little bit more strength, a little better quickness and, and and with strength that quickness will come, he will score because he does these things. That's what I saw in Jack. Well, when you have 52 goals, you're doing it from a lot of different spots. Um, a lot of the things I saw in him was he's able to sneak in behind the D in that neutral zone and, and bust in all the way. And and I also thought, thought he did a really good job of you know, he, maybe he he gets a shot away or he passes the puck and he doesn't just stay there. He goes to the next spot. The puck bounces there. He has a tap in. Some people think tap ins are easy. Well, you have to be in that area. So it seems like he has pretty good anticipation. I think you nailed the word. I, I, that's exactly the word I would use, Dean. And, you know, the, the game is, is fluid, right? So, you know, you know, Walter Gretzky always told Wayne, don't go where the puck is, go to where it's going to be. And and that's that's what that's what good players do. That's what great players do. They understand, you know, wh- where they have to be, like, and to be open. Like, I see a lot of players race to a spot, but just because you race there and you're open doesn't mean it's the right spot. You also have to be able to get to the right spots, and that's what Jack does. You know, I, my comparable type for him is David Pasternak, and mm. as you just described, Jack Quinn and what you've seen in him, that's David Pasternak. How did he end up on the back door? Okay, always hop a high here. Oh, there he is, low in that other corner, and 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 it's that constant. And and what you're you're not only anticipating the play, you're also keeping opponents off balance by moving into dangerous areas where you become more difficult to mark. That's that that's the key to being a real good goal scorer. Yeah, and and this is a guy who, you know, he's really quick off the line. But we've talked about guys like that that weren't able to gear down and change that pace and maybe, you know, slow it up a little bit. This is a guy who seems to have – does he have that ability? I I saw that a little bit in his game on some of the video I watched. Yeah, absolutely he does. And and that's – and and, and so 
let's take it back a step and talk about his goal scoring. So he's got a really good release. He, he can score from 35, 40 feet because he's got that release. Now, it becomes much, much more difficult to score from that distance in the National Hockey League. It's just that's the fact of the matter. But when you watch him in junior hockey, so now because he can score from 35 feet, a defender now has to, has to respect that. So now if you give him that space, he can beat you. But if you but if you get up in there, he can also beat you with that change of pace. He can also so now a defender is like, okay, how do I play him? Do I get up on him? Do I lay off a little bit? Because he can beat you in multiple ways. That's that's why when I use the term, he's not a one trick pony. That's what makes him so dangerous. And to me, when when you watch him in the game, and, and the other area that he uses it so exceptionally well, and Andre Chordney, uh, Team Canada's World Junior coach for the 21 uh, World Junior Tournament, he uses him penalty killing. He uses him in, in close games because he knows Jack has that anticipatory skill. And, and he also understands that he can be quick to close off a gap because he recognizes where those offensive opportunities may be coming against him. So not only is he really good on the offensive side, he's really good on the defensive side as well. Deficiencies in his game. What, what does he need to, to continue to work on uh, as he improves? Well, uh, you know, we have this, this conversation uh, on just about every player. I'll be straightforward. I, I see only developmental areas in his game that he, you know, the strength, the maturity, you know, getting up to the pace of, of the next level and, and going from there. I, I, I don't see I don't see any deficiencies in his game. Time for the next wave. Score! Braden Point got it done. 35 seconds into overtime. There are great players. Ryan O'Reilly, come get the Consmite Trophy. Superstars. A complete score! Between Bergeron, who tied the game and won it in overtime. Even Hall of Famers after the first round. Becky All right, let's move on to the next wave now. And we're starting off with uh, Noel Gundler, a right winger from uh, Lulia, ranked 45th on the Craigslist. And this is kind of the opposite of what we talked about uh, with Quinn. Uh, Gundler, you have him ranked a little bit lower than most other reports. And and you've used the term in the past, I think, wildly inconsistent with him. I've read the word polarizing by other scouting reports. What is the reason uh, people use those terms with this player? His skill is obvious. Okay, it really is, Dean. It's it's obvious. He 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 can score. He's got good hands. He he he's got a good release. And and what's everybody looking for in the game? They're looking for for goal scoring. But what when I use the term inconsistent, I am talking massive inconsistencies in his game. And you know, you, I'm forgiving of players for 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 long periods of time. When, when, when you look at him and go, okay, yeah, this is his skill. This is what he does. And this is what he does. And okay. Yeah, I see that. Okay. Let's continue to watch. But as I continue to watch, I'm going like, sorry, like, I, I like, I don't want an inconsistent player. I like, you know what, until you show me that you can be less inconsistent. Sorry. I don't care how good your goal scoring is. It's not good enough for me. And I'm, I'm straightforward on that. You know what? Because when you're trying to perform at the highest level on teams where winning is mandatory and the number one requirement, 
sorry, like you don't get to decide that I'm going to play once every four games or I'm going to play three shifts this game really to my abilities. So you know what? Like right now, I see it as an inherent flaw in Noel Gunler. I know that he has qualities that are really coveted. And, you know, we'll hear about, oh, yeah, what a steal he was wherever they get him in the draft. And I know there's teams that like him more than other teams. But for me, and this is me only, right, the inconsistency is a massive, massive red flag. Mm, the effort, right? He just, he just, is it, is it, uh, um, he inconsistent effort or inconsistent, uh, skill? Like what, what are you seeing when you're watching him play? Just some games he shows up and he does things and other games you just don't notice them or he, or he creates turnovers. What, what do you see? Well, you can notice him one shift and you go, okay, that's an old gunler I've seen and you like, right. And then oh, did old gunler play the last period. Mm-hmm. Has, has no Gunler been on the ice? And like I hear always playing in Lulia and everything. He hasn't been part of the national team. So why are national team coaches not having him on the team? Right. Why? Not U17, not U18, and, and they won the U18 gold medal. Not on the U20 team. So you have this you have this talented player, right, that is sitting there and the national team coaches who are watching these players all the time in Sweden have not chosen them for a national team. That's a red flag because the coaches, Dean, always give you invaluable information. They, and, and when I hear, oh, they don't like them. Oh, really? So coaches don't want to win. They're not going to put it out their best players. That's why I point out, okay, they won the U18 championship. They mm-hmm. won it. Okay, so let's not let's not sit down and say, oh, the coaches had a vendetta against him or anything. Right. Thomas Montan, he knew that his world junior team was going to be challenged from a goal scoring point of view. He knew that. I talked to Thomas. He didn't pick him. So 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 now you're running across all these same storylines. Right. And like I said, we know he can score, but you don't get to decide that I'm going to only like, do you get to show up for work once every four days? Yeah, No kidding. Yeah. So, so sorry. Like right now, right now I see it as an inherent flaw. And until no gunler shows me something different, that's where I see him at. I know he can score, but I don't want a guy that uh, quite frankly, I, I, I shouldn't say I don't want a guy. Uh, I'm not going to put a lot of emphasis on a player that I'm not certain what I'm getting. Forget about game to game. I'm talking to shift to shift. And until he eliminates that for me, nothing's changing for me. And and if he does eliminate that and he does become more consistent, there's a lot of potential, as you mentioned. From what I saw, this guy, you know, down the right side, uh, quick release that that almost seems to fool goalies. Is is his release the the kind of the go to thing for him that he gets the shot off so quick? Because some of the reactions from the goalies I saw, they weren't reacting until the puck was past them. Well, and, and he's a good goal scorer. He he has shown that capability. But but when you ask yourself and you look at the numbers, like wh- why are the numbers where they're at? Right. Like I mean, like you, a, a, a very good friend of mine who I worked with for a long, long time, and and, and you'll love him because he's a former goalie, Tim Bernhardt. Uh-huh. You know what? You know what he would call? You know what he would call players like this? He would call them twenty. He would call them twenty, twenty, forty players. He said, twenty games, they're really good. Twenty games are okay, and forty games, you never even know if they played. I'm not interested in twenty, twenty, forty players. 
Yeah, it makes sense for sure. Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline. Scouting is a huge part of the platform and the lifeblood of franchises in the UFHL. Any free agents go through a scout, so get in the game where you own the game and start putting your scouting talent uh, to good use. Are, are we filling up your inbox with all the information about <laughs> the franchises and the players that we want to get? Well, it's one thing. It's one thing to fill up my inbox, but you're filling up my mental inbox because you're making you, you and Trish are making me think. And you know what? We have these conversations, and I think, okay, about this player or about that player, and you know who could be somebody. Because quite frankly, I mean, we can talk about Shane Wright, and we can talk about Adam Fantilli. We know they're good players, right? Yep. But who 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 are the other players? You know, there's so much talk now about Braden Point, a third round draft pick that, you know, has, has been phenomenal for the Tampa Bay Lightning, but he's, he's been phenomenal for the last two seasons. Three, Like he's a phenomenal player, but mm-hmm. it, it's about looking deeper. It's about looking at those qualities uh, of, of players and saying, okay, what's that player going to be like once he develops a little bit further? What's he going to be like as he becomes a little bit stronger, a little bit more mature? I mentioned Martin St. Louis earlier. Martin St. Louis, and I've talked to him about this previously at previous times. And he said, he goes, you know, you also need a, a mental confidence that you can do it, that you're sure of yourself too. And, and and that just doesn't happen with the snap of a finger when you're 19 or 20, because you keep going up levels and the challenges become greater. So you also, I call, I, 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 I use this term, Dean, I call it the natural laws of maturity physical, mental, and emotional, and you can't speed them up. And, and, and everybody matures at different rates. And I'm talking about Marty St. Louis, who really came into his own at the age of 26, 27 in the NHL. Stop and think about that for a second, 26, mm-hmm. 27. And he'd been prolific in the years previous to that. So hall of famer, you know, heart trophy winner took him a little bit of time. And so when you're scouting, don't underestimate players that have some really good qualities that with time, those qualities are going to just emerge and shine in a big way. You betcha. Craig is also the president of scouting for high level scouting in the UFHL. You can get more information at www.uffsports.com. It is the most realistic platform out there. All right, let's move on to Tyler Clevin, a defenseman with the U S national development team ranked 60 on the Craigslist. This guy, from everything I look at, has all the earmarkings of that prototypical shutdown defenseman. What can you tell me about how he defends? Well, he's fierce and 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 he's really competitive. And you know, when you when you watch him play, he's a good skater. He 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 gets into your space. He 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 makes you earn everything that you trying to earn in and around the net, into the zone. And and, and those are those are really, really, uh, er- those are real important areas to defend against. And that's what Tyler does. You know, when I, and, and, and there's lots to like about Tyler. And when I, having watched Derek Forbert and Jared Tenori, who I think are very similar players at the same age mm. as Tyler Clevin, they're bottom pair defensemen in the National League. And it doesn't mean that they're, that, that, that you're, there's not a value to them and they're not important to your team because there is. And, you know, but having watched Derek Forbert and Jared Tenori, who, who, who I both really liked, and I, and, and I do like Tyler, but when I start to project out, you know, I start to look and I go, okay, could he be a second pair defenseman? Yeah, perhaps. But 
you know, when I try to look at it in terms of like, if I had to put a percentage on, is he going to be a bottom pair defenseman or is he going to a number five defenseman or is he going to be a number four defenseman? You know, I, I, he falls into that gap, but based on the history that I've seen with Fulbert and Jared Tenorti and now Tyler Clevin, I see him falling more into the number five. Now, if you have to evaluate what your team wants at any part of the draft. And if you want that player, then take him because I think he'll be real, real strong and solid in that regard. But, you know, you got to, again, have realistic expectations for where you think the player can get to. And that's, that's where I see him as it doesn't, it doesn't, I, I value those positions. I value, but to me, you got to get them at the right spot of the draft. Yeah, and, and listen, those guys are so important uh, when you get into what we're seeing now, playoff runs, and sometimes they, they get elevated because of injuries, and other times they stay exactly where they're suited for. And, and a lot of times, some of these guys are your 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 big good penalty killers as well. And this guy's 6'4", just over 200 pounds. Is he physical? Does he have that mean streak in his game to go with that size? Well, yeah, he, he, there's no question he can be physical and he can be territorial. You know, one of the players that, that I always liked and, you know, the one thing that Tyler, you know, has a big advantage on him that he didn't have, he's, he's probably still not a great skater, is Braden McNabb of the Vegas Golden Knights. Right. And, and Braden was, I mean, you talk about a mean streak, you talk about a physical force. Braden was that in junior. <laughs> like, I mean, and – you know, he was a draft pick uh, to the LA Kings and, you know, found his way over to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. And he's a real solid player because of those elements you talk about. Physical, hard, mean streak. He, like he, 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 he's not afraid to go right through you. And so can Tyler be that? Yeah, he, he could potentially be that. I The game is it changes in, in, in the way players grow up playing it. And it, it, so Braden, even when you look back 10 years ago, it's different than where Tyler is now, right? So, you know, that same meanness that, that, that maybe you look at, that same real edge, it, 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 the game isn't played along those lines in the same manner that it once was. So I don't want to penalize uh, Tyler Clavin for, for not having that. But, you know, we're, when, you're, when you watch Braden McNabb, you see a real fierceness to him. But I see like Tyler's competitive. I think that there's room for him to continue to grow in his game, but I don't see a lot of offense in his game and I never have. Yeah, I don't think there's there. He is going to have time to develop at North Dakota, his home state school, and Jake Sanderson, another freshman uh, incoming in that class in this draft. So he'll get some time to put some uh, muscle to that tall frame at North Dakota too. And, and, and one of the best arenas to play in anywhere. I don't care what league you're in. Oh, there's no question about it, right? Yeah, that's the that is simply one of the greatest arenas oh, out there. Yeah, no question about it. <laughs> Where we're going, we don't need roads. Hop into the tracking the draft time machine. Get the puck on the move. He reminds me so much of James Neal. I think he's a better goal scorer than Billy Garrett. He's the best goal scorer in the draft. And let's see what we can learn from a past player when looking at this year's crop. <laughs> plays like John Carlson. So what do those guys do? They're able to make the plays in the offensive zone. Like Brock Besser, he's got the deadly accuracy. Nikita Kucherov immediately came to mind when I saw him play two years ago.
right, let's move on to Time Machine now. And we're starting with uh, Ridley Gregg, a center from Brandon, ranked 30th on the Craigslist. Uh, we were talking just before we got on the air about longtime owner Kelly McCrimmon selling the Wheat Kings after almost 30 years of ownership. And and Greg, in his second year with Brandon, almost doubled his point production. So let's get in the Time Machine and get going with uh, Ridley Gregg. Okay, well, I mean, Ridley, and uh, I, I've watched Ridley play since he was 15 years of age. And, you know, you, you watch a player. So I was talking earlier about physical strength. Mm-hmm. Ridley has never been a player that hasn't want to be invested in the hard, edgy parts of the game, ever. Was he capable of doing it to the, to the greatest extent? No, because he wasn't physically mature. He wasn't strong enough, but he lacked no desire. His desire was deep. And so as you watch him now physically mature and, he, and, and, and that confidence comes, and now he knows he can do it to a greater extent. And so for, he starts in Brandon as a 16-year-old. He goes through that 16-year-old year, and, and you could just see him get better and better at, at really post-January or post-New Year's. And then he, he becomes a a more confident player. He makes the Halinka Gretzky team for Team Canada. You know, that's a really competitive camp. And then he comes through this year. And so now you're watching him and, you know, he wants to make plays. He, 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 he kills penalties. He can play in so many different areas of your team and he's no fun to play against. So hmm. where do I go on the time machine? I think he, I think I go right to Nazem Kadri. Wow! When I watch Nazem Kadri play, and I, I like, I love Nazem Kadri, and I love the way he approaches the game. I love the way he has this kind of take no prisoners, and I'm going to do whatever, whatever it takes to win. And you know, we saw with the Toronto Maple Leafs in, in two consecutive playoffs, uh, you know, you know him being suspended. But you know, like, it's not so much about being suspended; it's about okay, can, can opponents get under your skin and put you in a position? where you become vulnerable to, to doing something rash that could hurt the team. And I felt that the Toronto Maple Leafs, who ultimately lost in Game 7 to the Boston Bruins in the 2019 playoffs, going into that series, I thought their depth at center with Matthews, Tavares, and Kadri was unmatched, and I thought it was a real advantage. They still went to Game 7 without Nazem for the last five games. I really believe if they had Nazem, they would have beat the Boston Bruins because I think that he would have would have given them, he would have been able to tilt it into their favor in that regard. We saw what he did this year for the Colorado Avalanche, a, a, a superb, I think a superb second-line center behind the great Nathan McKinnon. So Ridley Gregg, I see him as a number two, number three, edgy two-way center in the mold of Nazem Kadri. And I think that players like that, because they're so versatile, because they're so smart, and because they're so darn competitive, I want those guys on my team. Well, I can tell you, growing up in the Weed City, those type of players, Ridley, Greg, they are fan favorites. And and like I, I'll I'll just bring up Jordan Tutu's name as oh. an example, as the ultimate small energy guy who, you know, was not only a star in Brandon but on that World Junior team that that he was on. And I, I'm not sure if if these guys are on the the, the same level, but those guys that they just seem to have a motor that never stops. Do you think Ridley Gregg is a guy who will succeed more on will and smarts than maybe skill and speed? Well, see, that's what I would do is don't underestimate his skill. Don't underestimate his skill because do I think he'll be a high-end offensive player? No, 
But, you know, the, the areas that they contribute in and the areas that they're able to take advantage of, because they're so smart and because they have good skills, and but because they're so competitive and determined, they just do not allow themselves to be denied. So we want to look at it as 70 points. Well, to me, the way that Ridley Gregg plays, the way that Nazem Kadri plays, you know, what they give you, I think, is so important to a team because they keep – when Ridley Gregg's out on the ice, the other team knows it. When mm-hmm. Nazem Kadri's on the ice, the other team knows it. Jordan Tutu's on the ice, the other team knows it. Another player that I thought that Ridley compared to a little bit was Braden Shannon, another former weak king. Right. Right? But you know when they're out on the ice. <laughs> and, you know, they they can play in different areas on your team. They can contribute in different areas on your team. And versatility, adaptability with the requisite skills and smarts and competitive spirit, oh, sign me up. I thought Braden Shen was the guy you might have actually been going to when I when I was reading about Ridley Gregg. What do you think about Gregg's uh, his his skating? Is it is it okay? Uh, is it to the point where you think with a little work it can get to a a, a better level at the next level, or is it pretty good already? I, I, when I look at Ridley, I just say, hey, it's a, it's a, it's a developmental area, and I think there's there's room to improve once he once he gets some some more strength in in, in his legs and in his in his uh, midsection, and you, you know, as, again, we got to keep in mind he just turned 18 years of age. He, he's That's a right. young player for the draft, so there's lots of time and lots of growth ahead for him. But I see no flaws in his skating. It like again. You know, you need a, a basic level of skating to be able to perform at the National League level. And then when I say uh, along the lines of a Nazem Kadri type in a number two, number three center hole, yeah, but I don't see any inherent weaknesses in his skating or his ability to get that skating up to the level that's going to be required for him to, to be a, a real good, solid player of the National Hockey League. Yeah, and there's been a ton of guys that have worked on their their skating to to get better in the National Hockey League. And, and just sticking on the the weaking thing, I, I remember watching Mark Stone uh, for the first real time during that Memorial Cup that Brandon hosted. Scott Glennie uh, was injured, and they put Stone up with uh, Calvert and, and and Shen. And I thought, wow, th- this he kind of looked like a Bambi on ice because he was so young and developing. And then you see the development of, of Mark Stone with a real nose for the net. So it's amazing to watch those guys at 16 and then see that development even in just one year. And you're like, wow, okay, this guy really um, wants to improve because you can see it in his game. Whereas some of those guys, like we've talked about, you don't see that improvement after a couple of years. Well, and, and you just brought up what I think is just a great comparison because Scott Glennie, I believe, was what, the eighth overall pick? Yep. The NHL that, yeah. And Mark Stone was a six-round draft pick. Both yeah. right-wingers, both playing in the same spot, right? And so Scott was this bigger player that could skate and, you know, was able to take advantage. But when I was talking earlier about Jack Quinn and, and, and you're watching for things, like, you know, Scott Glennie, you know, yeah, you could see some power in his game. You could see some skating. You could see a big shot. But – there was other areas of his game, and, and they obviously became significant flaws because it prevented him from having an NHL career of any type because he didn't have those. But what did Mark Stone have? 
Mark Stone had that sense. He had a change of pace. He understood, you know, where to be and where to be at the right times. And that's not, you, you can understand why Scott Glennie was the eighth overall pick. You, 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 it's not like, oh my God, what were they thinking? It's, right. just, it's just about why you always have to continuously evaluate. It's not just evaluating forward. You need to evaluate backwards as well. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. real important part of scouting and evaluation. Yeah, they both had tools, and and one guy I think just had a little bit more of a drive as well to to yeah. improve on on those tools. All right, let's jump ahead in time now to 2021. This is a player that you recommended to Trish go out and get for high level scouting in the UFHL. She did, and we're talking about Zachary Bolduke, center with Ramuski, ranked 14th on the Craigslist for 2021. And I know Alexis Lafreniere thinks really high of this guy. What about you? Oh, I do too, and he's a he's a, he's a really Really good player. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of a backstory here. So this is this is I, I love this. This is fascinating stuff for me. So the USHL has a fall classic every year uh, in Pittsburgh. They have they have the setup there. All the USHL teams come there and they play. So uh, Zachary Bolduc uh, was playing in the fall classic. Now I knew that he had been uh, a high pick in the Quebec League and like I want to say top ten, top eight, perhaps. Uh, I'm not exactly, I don't exactly remember, you know, where he was uh, picked, but he was a high, high pick in the, in the Quebec League draft. But he had decided that he was going to go or he was going to consider mm-hmm. the college route, the university route. So what does he do? He ends up playing in the USHL and he's playing with the Sioux City Musketeers in Pittsburgh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, you're watching, I'd seen him at the under 17 camp. Uh, that that summer, and, I, and he was he was a good player. It was pretty obvious, and then you knew what the path was and what he was going to do, or what he was considering. So now he shows up in Pittsburgh. Well, Pat Brisson's son uh, Brendan was playing there with the Chicago Steel. That was the weekend they were retiring Sidney Crosby's jersey. Well, okay. what, what do you think Ramuski did, who drafted Zachary Bolduc? Yeah. They asked Sidney Crosby if he could talk to Zachary Bolduck. So now Zachary is in Pittsburgh, and Pat Brisson, who is uh, Zach's agent, you know, tells him, he goes, listen, uh, Sidney Crosby wants to talk to you. And, like, Zachary Bolduck's like, what? Like, what? Like, you know, kind of in that innocent, naive stage. (laughs) And now he's getting – He's okay. Can you meet me? He's now he goes and Sydney's telling him about Ramuski and you know and Pat is like, hey, Brendan's going. Is that Michigan enrolled at Michigan? Pat's like, okay, here's what here's what college offers you. Here's what junior hockey. But can you imagine you're this young player, a really good young player, and you're sitting with Sidney Crosby while he's trying to explain to you the merits of playing in Ramuski and how beneficial it would be for you. <laughs> How would you even understand anything he is saying? I would be so in awe at that age. Yeah, it would be. But but it also speaks to the great experience that Sydney had in Ramusha, sure. right? And and it was. And I mean, we all know. I mean, Sydney went there. He speaks French. He's fluent, and and you know loves Ramuski. And we all know what he meant to the Ramuski Oceanic. Ultimately, Zach decided. Zachary decided. I'm going to go to Ramuski. All he does is score thirty goals as a sixteen yeah. year old. Thirty goals. Like, you know, 30 goals as a 19-year-old is good. As a 16-year-old kid, I'm telling you what, it's pretty impressive. So, you know, just giving you that little bit of a backstory. 
you know, it's fascinating that, you know, he was looking at different options. He kept them open. And here he is now finding himself at this point where he makes a decision. Pat Brisson, you know, is going to give you great, great uh, advice and guidance in, in, in terms of making that uh, decision. But that's what he ends up doing. And not only does he end up going there and playing with Lafreniere, but, but he ends up being in a really good spot where, you know, where Zach felt that this was the best place for his development. Listen, he, he, he's, he's, a, he's a winger that is exceptionally smart. He can, he, he's played center ice, but finds his way over to the wing at times, but can shoot the puck. And when I talk about hockey sense that's off the charts, he has hockey sense off the charts. He is, you know, you, you know when you pick up your head and it doesn't matter where the play is, a certain player is always in that area. You yeah. talked about Mark Stone earlier. That's Mark Stone. You pick up your head, there's 61. Oh, 61's there. Oh, 61's there. You know, that's Zachary Bolduc. No matter where where the play is, he's always in the middle of it. So when we talk about almost a point-of-game player as a as a rookie and a 30-goal scorer, it's not accidental. He's he he's got he's a good skater, he's competitive, he shoots the puck, he can make plays, but the hockey sense, outstanding. Like to to, to me, you know, th- th- there's three Zacharies. In the, in the Quebec League. There's Zachary Bolduc, there's Zachary Leharu, who got traded to uh, Halifax in a big deal, and then there's Zachary Dean, who plays in Gatineau. They're all first-round picks. It, it'll be the year of Zachary from the Quebec League mm-hmm. Junior Hockey League for the 2021 draft. No doubt. Just quickly on him, um, it, you know, he does play with Lafreniere. There's people that say, is there a Lafreniere uh, uh, impact? Uh, do you expect to see any kind of a drop-off without Alexi Lafreniere this coming year from him? Nope. And I'll tell you why. Because, you know, it's the same thing that I that, that I always hear, Dean. Oh, yeah, it's easy to play with Sidney Crosby. It's easy sure. to play with Alexi. Oh, it is, isn't it? Oh, it's really easy, is it? Okay. Tell me why it's easy. And I'll tell you, it's not. It's harder to play with those guys because those guys have high expectations. They process the game at, at incredibly fast rates. They have the skill and they demand that, you know, their demands they put on themselves and on their team are tremendous. So if you can't play with them and you can't contribute and take advantage of their skills and help them be the best player, they, you're not playing with them. So, okay, great. So you played with Alexis Lafreniere. I would suggest that Zachary Bolduck, you know, was a real significant compliment for uh, Alexa Lafreniere at different points in time, just like Chris Kunitz was a real significant uh, contributor to Sidney Crosby, as was Pascal Dupuis. Doesn't mean they're better or that Sidney Crosby's success was predicated on theirs or in the case of, uh, of Alexa Lafreniere, but never, ever, ever underestimate how important it is to have those guys playing with top players because those top players, they know what they need and you better provide it. Or guess what? You're not going to be playing with them. No doubt. All right, let's wrap with our Twitter Twitter poll question. Who is the best uh, pure goal scorer in the 2020 draft? Your choices are Jack Quinn, Alexander Holtz, Carter Savoy, and uh, Jacob Perot. I think I know your answer, but give it to us anyway. Jack Quinn, I think he's the best goal scorer in the draft. And, you know, he's 50-plus goals in, in Ottawa on a very good Ottawa team. And he's just a well-rounded goal scorer. And that's the guy that I see, uh, whoever gets him, in my view, is getting the best goal scorer in the 2020 draft. Great stuff as always, Craig. Thanks so much. We'll talk next week. We certainly will. Thank you, Dean. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. 
become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the ultimate franchise hockey league. Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we got a winner. UFFS, you own the game. In the next little while, we will be bringing you Craig's counsel. Well, Craig will be giving you some scouting tips, and this will be especially important for those in the scouting program with the Ultimate Fantasy uh, Hockey League or for anyone who aspires to be a scout. If you have a specific question, uh, send us an email. We've got some good ones already. We'll add them to the list, and when we have Craig on for Craig's counsel, we will get into that. You can send those to trackingthedraft at gmail.com. And we'll uh, throw it in the pile. Time to flex your brain and answer this draft-related trivia question. Well, we're waiting. You want answers? Pay attention now. So you're telling me there's a chance. Can you dig it? Hands up with answers. Thank you. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Yeah! Our question today, who is the highest drafted defenseman out of the University of North Dakota? You got to go back to 1989. Jason Herter was taken eighth overall. Uh, Hopefully you were able to get that without looking it up. And finally, our Twitter poll question today, who is the best pure goal scorer in the 2020 draft? Still time to vote. Uh, Head to at Duck Millard. Uh, Well, there's another seven days after this episode comes out. So uh, you have until... Uh, a week from September 10th. So uh, the September 16th you have until the poll closes because we put it up yesterday. Who's the best pure goal scorer in the 2020 draft? Jack Quinn, Alexander Holtz, Carter Savoy, or Jacob Perot? Uh, Holtz getting a lot of the votes, 48.9%. You heard Craig, he says Jack Quinn. He has 36% of the vote. Carter Savoy has 9.3%, and Jacob Perot has uh, 5.8%. Uh, it's interesting. Somebody said... Uh, Carter Savoy is a weird choice. Yeah, I I, I guess a guy that gets a, almost a goal per game is a weird choice for a pure goal scorer. How silly of us. Uh, but it, but Alexander Holtz, is being pointed out, is doing it against men. So there is a, a, certainly a case to be made, and this is all opinion. You can have your vote at Duck Millard on Twitter, and please do. Thank you very much for joining us on the program. Thank you, of course, to Craig Button, the Director of Scouting at TSN. It's always a pleasure to chat with him. Uh, If you've missed Pat's episodes, head to podcastalley.ca and just click on Track in the Draft and you can get them there. And you can also find whatever else you want in the podcast world at podcastalley.ca. And if you enjoyed this show, which I hope you did, please subscribe and let us know what you think of it by leaving us a review. And if you'd like to be a part of the show as an advertiser, we have some very intriguing packages. Hit me up at trackingthedraft at gmail.com. This has been a lot of fun once again. This has been Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. My name is Dean Millard. We'll speak again in a week's time. We will discuss more stars of tomorrow that are discovered here.